Welcome to the Vell Institute podcast. I'm your humble servant and host, Terry Weaver. Our mission for this podcast is to bring you stories about veterans, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are doing fascinating things with their lives. Our hope is to inspire you because we believe that inspired individuals will change lives, both theirs and others for the good. Bell Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're asking for your support. There are two ways to do that. One, by getting involved with our mission, and two, by contributing financially. Please visit bellinstitute.org. That's B-E-L institute.org to help us make an impact. Bill, well, thanks for uh, sitting down with us and doing this podcast. It's um, pretty neat. The last time I was down here was probably a couple of years ago when I was in a, you know, in a side industry similar to yours, and it looks like your company has grown. So congrats on that. I see more people, more offices. <laughs> yeah. So there's some good stuff happening. Um, would you mind just talking about kind of your your background? Just give us a brief overview, education kind of how okay. you got into what you're doing now? I, I grew up in Houston and uh, uh, went to school at uh, University of Texas and uh, uh, graduated with a finance degree after a few years uh, and got into the banking business and uh, learned uh, quickly. It was a great place to learn uh, and learned quickly that I wanted to be to do something on my own and, and got out and uh, kind of out of the frying pan into the fire and uh, got into the waste uh, uh, equipment business and then it kind of went from there and um, really found that um, I was interested in doing something for the environment and um, and we grew the business uh, uh, started in 85 and we grew it and sold it in 1998 to a company that uh, was acquired by waste management and um, uh, they wanted it more than we did. And uh, so that was good. And so I took some of the businesses that they didn't want to keep uh, and started growing them, specifically the recycling, uh, wood recycling business. And the first uh, company that you started was named? Waste Reduction Systems. Okay. That's the one that I saw on the Inc. 500 list as one of the fastest growing companies. Right, right. And it was it was a it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of uh, trials and tribulations. We were very young, and we made a lot of mistakes, but uh, but uh, things came together, and uh, and it worked out for everybody. And so that was that was fun, and uh, it may it may have given us a little overconfidence uh, at that point. But uh, things uh, come and they go. So uh, so it was exciting. It was a lot of fun. That second business, um, talk about that because you're you're a serial entrepreneur. You started multiple businesses. Yes, uh, you know uh, I started some businesses that didn't make, uh, and some businesses that that have. Uh, so uh, again, you know, uh, it's all trial and error. And so we we're in the wood recycling business. Novus Wood Group's in the wood recycling business. And we take. Uh, urban woody debris that people that would normally go to the landfill and we make products out of that um, mulches and soils and fuel and dust and lots of different unrelated uh, wood byproducts um, and we've grown that business since about 1990 and 
and we handle about a half a million tons a year of woody debris, which is, a, you know, keeps it basically a landfill worth of material per year in the Houston area. So it's it's a lot of material. And that business is certainly helping the environment. Otherwise, that would just go to waste. It would go into the landfill and it would decompose, and then you'd have the methane gas and lots of things that aren't good for the environment. But you know, our whole goal was to try to make something out of nothing. And, um, uh, and we've done that and, and, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And we're now we're just trying to figure out how to expand and how to get into other products and other markets. And, uh, so it's a, it's a real challenge. Yeah. Tell, tell me about how, initially why you wanted to get into industries that would help the environment, waste reduction systems, uh, wood fuel, those both have an environmental impact. Was there something that drew you to that? Well, you know, I believe that, you know, God put us here to be good stewards of the land. I mean, it, it says it in the Bible. So uh, so I, I, I felt like that was really uh, something that we needed to do. Uh, I felt passionate about it. I also felt passionate about doing something that other people said couldn't really be done. And a lot of people said, oh, you can't do that. You're going to go broke. And, and so, you know, I was like, well, I don't know. I, I think we might be able to make something out of nothing. And so, um, and so we, uh, we started small and we just put one foot in front of the other and I got some fabulous partners and, and, you know, they're smarter than I am. And, and, uh, they've just, they've been loyal and tremendously hardworking and we've just, you know, trial and error, we figured it out as we went along and with God's help, you know, he's blessed us. And so that's, that's that's how we got into it. So I think it's I think it's really important that we uh, focus on that, but particularly in in large urban areas where you know there's so many people crammed in. You know we've got to do what's right for the environment, and we're not going to be here very long. So you you you've grown wood fuel since '91, since you split it off from WRS, and you've done some other ventures. Can you tell us a little bit about those? We uh, we uh, we started uh, Novus Wood Group. Uh, well, we renamed the the wood recycling division in 1990, and uh, and we started a sister company called Woodfuel.com. And Woodfuel basically manages materials that are in other markets and of the country, waste material, woody waste materials, and then we find a home that's you know a sustainable home for that material that somebody else could use it for, primarily for heat and power uh, and for other uh, ag-related uh, activities. Um, and so that's been, that's been a real challenge, but uh, we, you know, we really have, are making some good strides. Um, you know, things take a long time to develop, a lot longer than people think. Um, uh, we got involved in the uh, natural gas fueling business in 2012, in 2008, the price of diesel fuel went to $4.50, and we're very diesel fuel intensive at, at all of our operations. And so when the diesel price went over four fifty, we were losing money all the way around. And I said, this is not sustainable. We're, we've got to find another alternative fuel that can work in the heavy-duty sector. And I uh, did all my homework, you know, 2009, 2010, started putting together a a group in 2011 to 
um, to get into the business. And we, and I felt like, well, if we can do it for our small business, that lots of businesses would be attracted to it. it would really be helpful. Plus, it's cleaner than diesel. And we thought, you know, that's good for the environment, you know, back to do what's right for the environment. About 75% of all emissions in the Houston-Galveston area are produced by on-road traffic. Uh, a lot of it's diesel. So if you can reduce the amount of diesel, you're going to improve air quality. So um, so we got started with our first station right out here next to the wood yard where the wood group was our first customer. And we've got four stations now, uh, three in Houston and one in Midland. And, uh, you know, we represent, we, we provide fuel for uh, uh, Houston Metro and Waste Corporation and uh, Schlumberger and lots of you know big companies that are moving in that direction and uh, saved them quite a bit of money on on fuel and are helping to clean up the environment at the same time. So you went from uh, being worried about your fuel costs to um, wanting to change your fleet fuel to saying okay we can do this for ourselves and then you became a kind of a pioneer in building fuel stations that you own. Is that correct? That's correct. And and our model was, you know, don't build it and hope they'll show up. You know, build it for a customer as a baseload customer and then add third parties to the site. And that model has worked really well for us. I mean, it's it's sustainable and it's profitable. And and so even though we have four, you know, only four stations, you know, we are we're making money and, you know, we think it's the right way to proceed. It's not as fast and glitzy as, you know, other people, but... Uh, but we're not uh, we're not heavily we don't have any debt and you know we're cash flowing making money so mm. you know we think that's the way to go and we're going to try to put one foot in front of the other and keep going. So I think that's pretty remarkable that um, that you that you went from wanting to fix your fuel source to uh, actually ins- I mean there's a lot that goes into putting in a fuel station, especially a non traditional one. Like you had to figure a lot out. We had to figure out. And, you know, I have this back to my partners. You know, I've got these partners that are so smart. And uh, after I did all the research and I said, you know, I really think this is something that's coming. And we've got all these local gas resources. It's inexpensive. It's clean. It works. We're not a science project. You know, all the boxes. I checked all the boxes. And I went into my partner, Steve, and I said, Steve, um, we're going to be in the natural gas fueling business. And he said, okay. He goes, give me the weekend. And I said, okay. So Monday morning I came in, I said, well, did you think about it? He goes, yeah, I got it figured out. I think we can do it. Wow. And I thought, okay, here we go. And so we built the first station out here and we became the first customer for our own fleet. So we could tell people, Hey, look, we're doing it ourselves. We're not just trying to talk you into it. We're doing it ourselves. And we learned the business from the interconnect to the gas pipeline, to the equipment, to the dispensing, to the, you know, the truck uh, motors, you know, all the different applications. And and so we just had to learn it from the ground up. I guess I guess that was um, that was about five and a half years ago. Uh, I told myself I what I didn't wasn't really excited about doing a startup at age 55. But um it just was very compelling. And I said, you know, if this works, this is really going to be good for the environment, for Houston. I mean, the air quality. You know, I grew up when, you know, you go out and play, 
you go to you know play football and you'd go to two days and you'd get this terrible mm-hmm. cough and feeling in your throat and it was all smog it was the smog and you know and and so this is one way to reduce to improve air quality in Houston that would, could really be helpful yeah I was just reading uh, a little study that came out um, and it looks like since I think it, w- it compared 2008 or 2009, uh, was it CO2 smog smog levels in Houston have dropped dramatically? Have you seen this? Yes, ozone has uh, the ozone uh, causing uh, emissions are dropping and have been dropping for some time. You know the EPA keeps lowering the bar or raising the bar, however you want to call it, but basically making it more and more difficult to comply which is a good thing in terms of you know in terms of air quality uh, but it's a hard thing when you move the goalposts you know uh, but it but it is a good thing in terms of air quality and so now they've identified that they've gone after all the big industries in in town and they've done an awful lot to improve their emissions and now you know they've identified that most the great majority of the emissions are coming from on-road uh, traffic and the great majority of the on-road traffic is diesel power and so if you are in the heavy-duty sector and you can replace or reduce the amount of diesel that you use with natural gas it's cleaner and therefore you can disproportionately improve air quality in Houston just by not using diesel and using natural gas plus it's cheaper we haven't at this point we haven't uh, changed our price in five years it's been flat for five years we've never changed our price and our customers are are paying quite a bit less than diesel Uh, so they get the benefit of that when you look at the differential do you know what it is offhand uh you know right now it's probably in the 70 80 cents Uh, some of our larger customers um are at a you know almost a dollar savings so and they've had quite a bit of savings for some time they had an awful lot of savings in 2012, 13, and 14, and then the price of diesel, you know, crude oil went down and the price of diesel went down, and so they've had, they've basically been a push for a, for the last couple of years, but price of diesel's back up. Uh, I think the average price in the U.S. is 304. You know, we're selling diesel to our larger uh, base load customers for a dollar seventy. Natural gas. I'm sorry, natural gas for a dollar seventy wow. equivalent. Mm-hmm. That's quite a. It's quite a bit of savings. That's huge. And when you're, you know, our largest customer is Metro, and they're burning, you know, twelve million gallons a year. The largest diesel burner in, uh, in the Houston Galveston area. Uh, you know, if we could get them to half, if we could get them to six million gallons a year. I mean, that's, that's huge air quality improvement. And so we're working real closely with them to try to expand at their at their bus barns. And, uh, you know, it could be just huge. You know, for them to lead and then and then have all the other governmental entities follow suit, uh, it would be really great if we could get that to happen. Hmm. Now, you've got some other uh, things going on, and what I'm referring to is the fleet. You, you kind of... Now you've branched out and you've extended yourself a little more, and you bought a fleet of trucks. How, how many trucks do you guys have own? Uh, we own about uh, our own tr- our own wood business. We own about um, I think we own four plus you know, about eight vehicles total. Uh, but we just bought some used CNG vehicles because they came on the market. We bought twenty two 
vehicles from uh, Gemini, which is the they're running fuel for Love's truck stops, and their late model 2015 Freightliners and and uh, Peterbilts, and they're they you know Gemini did a great job of taking care of this equipment, and so now we're, what we're doing is we're putting these vehicles out, we're selling them to local users who will then buy fuel from us, natural gas from us. So they get a a bargain-based uh, priced piece of equipment that's been well taken care of, and they get uh, cheap fuel. Everybody wins. And then the environment, you know, what we call the clean air dividend, which is the fact that the community benefits because we're taking diesel fuel off the off the road and replacing it with natural gas, which is cleaner. Let me ask you this. There's there's people who will listen to the podcast who want to start businesses or maybe on the edge of starting something. You've started multiple businesses. How do you deal with the uncertainty? I mean, you talked about doing your, your due diligence, of course, but there's still a lot of uncertainty. I mean, to go out and buy a, a fleet of trucks, and you really, it's, it's a horizontal integration. You're getting into another market. How do you, how do you deal with the... Um, the uncertainty when you're starting a business or moving into another market, serial entrepreneur? Well, uh, you know, you do your homework and you do the best you can. Um, you know, we're not that good. Uh, you know, my model, my, my, uh, I've been, uh, you know, uh, reasonably successful, but it's only been, uh, by the grace of God, you know, I've been, you know, and my formula comes out to two times the time, two times the time and two times the money. Which means if you think it's going to take a year, it's going to take two years. If you think it's going to be a million dollars, it's two million dollars. And I haven't gotten really any better than that. And that's just kind of how it works out. So when I when I do a pro forma based on what I think is going to happen, I just double everything. Wow. And that seems to it seems to work out. So, uh, but you know, uncertainty is difficult. I try to look at the downside risk. You know, how bad can it get? You know, how bad can it really be? And then if the upside is disproportionately high, I mean, if you could get a three or four times benefit, but you only have a one times risk, that's where you want to be. You want to you want to assess your downside risk, and then you want to look at the benefit and see what kind of benefit do you can get from entering this business. And if you have a disproportionate benefit to the risk then then it's something you know you move forward on gotcha let's let's talk about the team you said you referred to them multiple times and it's awesome that you give them credit and i think that i think (laughs) it's a great strategy to surround yourself with people who are much smarter than you um so really good strategy but how do you build that team or maintain the team or it's really hard you know uh uh, you try to find people that are better at what you, you know, that have gifts that you don't have. And, you know, I've got several guys that are here that have gifts that I don't have, you know, either financial or operational or um, uh, uh, entrepreneurial or uh, uh, the ability to deal with personnel, things like that, regulatory, all those things. Um, and uh, I've been very fortunate to have at least two guys that work with me that have been with me, I don't want to say 
almost 30 years. What's 2000? What's 1990? What is that? That's 28 years. They've been with me for 28 years. And one of them is, is uh, Roger Oldix. He's our CFO, and he, he does all things financial. And then Steve Gormley, and they came roughly at the same time. Uh, he does all things operational. And so, uh, you know, very creative. And, and these guys are the kind of guys, I don't have to tell them what to do. They just know what to do. They know what to do. And we have this relationship that's kind of strange. But when I start working on a project, they fill in the gaps. And, you know, I will say, well, I'm seeing this and maybe I'm thinking that we should move in this direction. And then they just pick up on it and they, you know, they provide lots of input. And then together we bake this cake. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and you know, we've been wrong. We made some mistakes and we've been wrong, you know, quite, we've been wrong quite a bit. But you keep going, you get up every morning, you put your pants on and put your boots on and you go back at it. And they've been terribly loyal and, uh, and they've just hung with me. You know, they've been, you know, perseverance is a big, big part of it. Grit, just hanging in there. You know, not looking that the grass is greener over here, over there. I can make a do- better dollar over there or maybe another dollar over there. You know, just focus on what you're doing and just keep at it. And so you develop this level of trust. You know, I totally trust them. I trust them with anything. I trust them with my checkbook, my kids, you know, my family, what have you. Uh, and you develop this trust that's this bond, you know. And uh, I didn't know any of them. I didn't know either one of them. And so I think God blesses you with these these people in your lives, and you have to really pay attention. Hmm. You know, when you see, you have to really be paying attention. That oh my gosh, this is this is this is the kind of person I want to I want to work with. And you're just not working with them. You're spending lots and lots. You spend more time with them than you do with your own family. You know, at, at the end of the day. So, and then when it comes to you know keeping them, compensating them, you know, you just you just keep giving. You give until you can't give anymore, and you keep giving, and and you put them first, and you're last, and you put them first, and they will stay. And that's that's how I've learned to do it, and I, you know, it's it's worked, and it goes both ways. You know, they're loyal to me, and I'm loyal to them, and that's that's the kind of relationship we have. And it sounds like the company or you or however you want to put it has rewarded them because they're, you have a couple partners. You said your team is a, is a partnership, right? Right. We have a whole number. We have a whole number of financial partners, which is a whole nother level of partner. Uh, and we have uh, we have operating partners, and uh, and you you know you you've got it's a good balance. You have to have a good balance because the financial partners bring the capital that can help you grow the business, and then the operating partners actually get it done and do it do the work um so that's that's kind of balance that you that you have to have and i've been blessed to have you know both financial good really good financial partners and really good operating partners you mentioned some mistakes that you guys have gone through and you got kind of set back and you've learned from care to share any of those and and what you learned from them or yeah, we we bought a company that looked really good on paper, and uh, we thought I thought you know if you check all the boxes, you know this was a long time ago, and I thought it would it would integrate really well with our existing business, and we would cross sell, and it just makes sense on paper, you know, it just made fabulous sense on paper, 
and uh, we got into it. Um, there were some irregularities in the financial reporting, uh, and I just I just said, you know what, we're going to push on through. We're going to go ahead and cover those irregularities, you know, in terms of, you know, the hole that it produced in the financial statement. Um, and that should have been my, that should have been my, uh, it should have warned me, and I wasn't thinking. I was just, I can do this myself. We'll push through this. We'll make this happen, you know, that kind of thing. When you're younger, you're a little, you're thinking that maybe it's all about you and, Really, it's not, and you learn that after a while of experience. And uh, anyway, uh, we went ahead and bought the company. Uh, the people were not on board, um, and what we learned was you, 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 you. It's very, very difficult to change a culture if you don't have a similar culture. You're you're making a mistake. You're trying to put a round peg in a square hole, and I learned that the hard way, the very hard way, and uh, and uh, it turned out to be not a successful experience, but it was a good experience because I learned that people are way, way, way more important than companies and product lines and financial statements and that type of thing. So that, that speaks to a little of the culture that you probably built here, and I would take it from your statement that culture is super important. So for anybody that's listening that's building a team, do you have advice as far as culture goes? Yeah, you want to hire people that you like. You want to hire people that, uh, uh, that have the same, uh, uh, you know, generally come from, uh, that have, you know, same goals and aspirations uh, uh, um, that you have um, because you're going to be spending an awful lot of time with them. Um, and, uh, it's hard to do. It's very difficult to do. Um, because so, you know, people are, you know, looking on Facebook and LinkedIn or whatever, and, you know, they get, they get bored easily and they, you know, then well, I've seen, I've noticed that, you know, people start looking around and, you know, if things aren't, you know, things, trees don't grow to the, to the, to the sky, you know, they just, they, they, You've, you've, you've got to um, realize that you're going to be, have ups and downs in a business, and you've got to persevere through those down times, and you've got to have faith that, you know, what you're doing is the right thing. Um, and so um, that's very difficult to, is there's no formula for that. Um, but, but when you find a really good person uh, that's a really good team player, uh, a lot of times they know other people that are like-minded people and they can help you build off of that and that's generally what happens rather than just you know looking out there and you know looking at a hundred resumes um, so I have to say that some of the people that you know we hired uh, we weren't absolutely uh, uh, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we didn't have a real strong feeling. Um, and in some cases, we threw bodies at it, which is when you're growing really fast, you have, you have a tendency to throw bodies at it, and that's a big mistake. Um, so um, it's, it's the people part is the most important part and the most difficult part. And I can't tell you how many mistakes I've made. I made so many mistakes, it's, it's sad, you know. And uh, so... 
I kind of fired myself on the personnel side. <laughs> I told I, I told uh, one of my cohorts the other day that I was I was done. I was done hiring people. I said there are people that can do it better than I can. Have a better feel for people. I'll give them my input, but the process. I'm not going to be the one at the end that says yes, we should hire this guy. No, we shouldn't. You know. I, and so we're developing a new process where the people that ha- are better qualified, some of my partners are really good at hiring. And so I'm, I'm trying to shift that process a little bit. And that takes a lot of trust. To it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of trust, but when you watch somebody hire well over and over again, you better pay attention, you know. And then at the same time when you've hired some in the past that just did not work out, you know, then you got to, you better write that down and remember it, you know. It's all about humility, you know. So let's um let me ask you this before we transition. Uh you probably get asked a lot since you have started multiple businesses, and I don't want to assume, but you ever get the question, hey, you've started multiple businesses, I'm thinking about doing this, leaving business leaving security start my own thing, what kind of advice do you give people who are thinking about venturing out and starting their own business? I pray. pray. You know, you got to pray a lot. You got to pray a lot. You got to pray and ask if it's the right thing to do. Is it your head telling you to do it? Or is God telling you to do it? You know, it's very difficult. You know, it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult place. But if you just lay it before him and say, hey, you know, I, I don't know the answers. You know, I don't know the direction. Will you tell me? You know, I'm asking you to tell me in some form or fashion. Uh, that's the first place I start with. But uh, I had to learn that. I had to learn that. I thought I knew in, if I went through the thought process and, you know, checked all the boxes. And on paper, it sounded like something that, you know, we ought to do. You know, I didn't think that maybe I should ask the God of the universe to you know, get a little support from him. So I've learned that the hard way. And that's where I would start. The other thing is I would tell people that, um, you know, you're last. If you're starting a business, you're last. You're not first. So you got to take that position that you're last. Everybody else comes before you. And if you do that, then you have a better chance of being successful. Um, You know, a lot of people don't do it that way. And that's, that's fine. I'm not throwing stones at that. I'm just saying that's how... I would look at it. Um, so uh, pray. I'd also find mentors and uh, that could help you, that would be willing to help you um, to avoid a lot of pitfalls, uh, the obvious pitfalls. And, um, you know, mentors, I, I, keep, I told my kids, I told other people, I said, pay attention to mentors over money. If somebody can, if you go to an organization, they pay you $10,000 a year more, and that may look like, oh, well, that's really good for my family, but it's an organization that does, you're not lining up with them, you know, with your values, you're making a mistake. You're making a short-term mistake. Um, you want to go with people that can help you grow long-term, and maybe you start out at a lower, you know, compensation, but in the end... You know, they'll teach you more than you you could ever get anywhere else. So look for good, high-quality 
mentors that are willing to help you. And there's a lot out there. Is that something you've benefited from, mentors? Oh, yeah. I had I had a great mentor. You know, my father was a great mentor growing up. He was a very hardworking guy, just retired. He's 92 years old. Uh, he's a, he's a, a, a doctor and uh, literally just retired last year at age 91. Wow. And, uh, you know, he... And it, I think it's been very difficult on because he's done the same. He's done. He's been the same place for 50 years, and when you're in the same place for 50 years, you can make a difference. And uh, and so I've I've watched him. You know, he he taught me how to work hard and and how to persevere. And and then my father-in-law uh, was a great businessman, and he taught me. A, he was a tremendous mentor uh, as I got out into the business world he helped me so much taught me how to treat people taught me how to deal with customers how to deal with um uh banks and things like that he he gave me an awful lot of advice about uh you know grace and how to um how to be uh how to be a good business person you know how to how to be a good partner uh, he taught me all those things, so I, I wouldn't have had that without him, without his input. Do you? Can you remember anything specific? So, if you think back, you know, maybe twenty, thirty years, something that you learned from either him or another mentor that really stood out, that kind of changed your trajectory, or something that you refer back to from a mentor. Choose your partners wisely. I've had good partners, and I've had bad partners, and. Uh, the good partners are invaluable and supportive and really, really helpful. And the bad partners, you don't have enough money in the world to get rid of a bad partner. Uh, so choose your partners wisely. And he he pounded that into my head. And he really didn't have to pound it. You know, I made a few mistakes and he just kind of smiled and didn't say anything. <laughs> and I got the message. But... Uh, but uh, you know uh, the, that that I think was you know and honesty and st- being straightforward you know just be straightforward tell them the good news tell them the bad news just be straightforward people appreciate it be transparent you know so let's I want to um, I know you a little bit and I know that you uh, that somebody that started multiple businesses and had a, a decent amount of success you got to do certain things to keep yourself well-maintained, your mind working well, your body working well. And last time I was down, you told me that you uh, run wind sprints. And I thought that was unique. You're a guy that's, you know, you're you're over 50, you're out sprinting on Sundays. Tell me about that. Well, uh, you know, when when you're, you know, I'll be 60 in September. Uh, You know, you don't, when you're my age, you don't run your, you know, when you're a kid, you run all the time. When you're my age, you don't run very often. Run, running, I mean running, like running fast. And and sprinting, you know, uses lots of muscles that you don't use normally. And so I started, you know, jogging is so boring and it just beats you to death. So I started uh, kind of doing something in between where I'd walk and then I run sprints. When I say sprints, sprints when I was a kid strides you know at my age it's it's like a almost a three-quarter speed run if i if i run you know full out i might 
you know, blow a vein or something. So I, so I, you know, I try to be, try to moderate it a little bit. But uh, it uses muscles that you don't use, and it, and it really gets your heart rate going, and you know, really gets things going. So I, I do, I try to do that three times a week. And that's what does that, that I do. What's that look like? You're doing, uh, you said three quarter speed. How many sprints? I'll run, I'll run a uh, hundred and fifty yards. Um, between 10 and 20 times depending upon how I feel and I walk 150 so I walk 150 run 150 walk 150 and uh, and then I'll, I'll walk a mile before and a mile after to cool you know get warmed up and then to cool down and uh, so it's quite a bit of, it's quite a bit of exercise a couple of miles of intermittent sprint, yeah. sprinting and then a yeah. mile before and after that's, yeah. that's pretty solid yeah well it's you know it it, it's amazing how fast you can ramp up. You know, you can go from 10, 12, 15, and then you're at 20. And the heat gets me. The heat bothers me way more than than the actual, you know, exertion. But so summertime is a little bit more difficult. But uh, I found it works pretty well for me. How about other hobbies? I read a lot. I read. Uh, I read everything I can get my hands on. Uh, either relative to what I'm doing, uh, energy related or uh, environmentally related, uh, you know, I read everything, and then I and I have a Kindle, and I I take my notes, and then I put the cliff notes together for my partners and my friends, and so they don't have to read the book, but I'll read the book, and then I'll give them the cliff notes. They can get the the main points of the book through the cliff notes, and I'll email them out and then they it's like they read the book but they didn't have to take the time so i love to do that i i, I mean i'll read a book on whole book on a weekend my, my wife buys me books all the time to read and then i give her the synopsis on what she you know on the book and um so i love to read uh, i like gardening uh, i like being in the garden and uh working around the house uh and uh I like to hunt and fish, but I just don't. I don't get out that much. I don't, you know, I've just been so busy. I've got all these businesses, and I'm, I feel like I have multiple full-time jobs. So then, I, and I have my, you know, my family. I spend all my time with my family, or and uh, you know, that's that's what I do. How about balance? You said you just said that you got multiple businesses. How do, how do you rejuvenate? How important is that? Well, I try not to go out during the week. My wife and I, you know, uh, are pretty good about avoiding social things on during the week because I'm just too tired. You know, I, I I get up early and I leave the house early. I got a 45 minutes to an hour plus commute, and then I got it on the way home. So I got a 10 or 12 hour day in the middle, and you know, you get home at eight eight thirty at night. I mean, it's late and. Uh, so I, I re- rejuvenate, you know, uh, try to take care of myself. I, I rejuvenate on the weekends, try not to do too much um, socially. And, and, and so that, you know, that's, that, that works pretty well. I, don't, I wouldn't say I have a great balance. I don't have the, you know, if I, didn't, if I hadn't taken on this other uh, natural gas business, um, I'd have better balance. But... Um, you know, I'm working toward that and working in that direction. So hopefully I'll do a better job.
So this it sounds like you're a, a lifelong learner. How long have you been reading this voracious at this voracious pace? I've been reading a lot. I've read a lot. I, I mean, I read when I was in junior high, high school. I read a lot. Um, I love to read. I'm a fast reader. I can read. I can read a book in you know a couple hours. I, I fly through the stuff. Um, it slows me down when I take notes, but. Um, but if you don't take notes, you don't remember as much. I, I don't remember as much. So, but I've been doing it a long time, long time. Do you have some top books that you refer back to, or you maybe gift to people? Top recommended, maybe two, three. I just read a book um, called "Love Does" by a guy named Bob Goff, and it's really, really a great book. He's a really interesting guy, uh, and uh, he's done a lot of interesting. Uh, things over his life and uh, he's just a he's a really he's a really funny interesting person you can look him up on YouTube Bob Goff my daughter actually told me to, to read the book and, and I did and I read it last you know one weekend I just loved it another one I read that was very uh, spoke to me was um, a book by a guy named David Devine and Paul Gauchi Gauchi, spelled G-A-U-T-S-C-H-I. And it's about the guy that has made uh, a, a home garden out of wood chips. And, of course, we're in the wood chip business. So I I thought that was it was very interesting. And I, I read his book cover to cover. Uh, unbelievable. He's got a YouTube video. It's like an hour and 40 minutes on how you can do organic gardening with wood chips, just common wood chips. And no fertilizer and uh, very little water. And uh, anyway, it's called Growing God's, uh, Growing Food God's Way. Growing Food God's Way. It's a very interesting book. And, uh, and it really, it spoke to me. You know, he mentioned in there about if you're, if you're grinding on something at work, you know, if you're working super hard and, and you're not getting anywhere, you're doing something wrong. You're 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 doing something wrong, and uh, you know his his answer is you know you just gotta ask the Lord for direction and He'll tell you one in one form or another. And uh, you know I'm one of these guys that you know God doesn't hasn't spoken to me audibly. You know I don't hear Him say Bill go do this. You know I don't hear that, and I, I've been frustrated. I, mean, I know other people may. But I, I haven't. And so he started talking about uh, 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 instantaneous thoughts that come into your mind when you're either when you're praying or after you pray. And that spoke to me because I said, well, I have those. I have those. I have these inspirational thoughts. And, you know, you say, well, what's the difference between you thinking it and God putting it in your mind. Well, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, but I do know that if you pray about something, and then thirty minutes later, you're or an hour, or the next day, or whatever, and then you have this thought that just appears in your mind, you know, then you got to pay attention, particularly if it refers back to what you were looking for an answer to. So, anyway, those are two books that I really, really have enjoyed a lot. How about a business profile book? Anything that you use or refer back to? Business leadership, business profile, something. You know, I haven't read, I haven't read, 
any of those in, in a while. Um, uh, I'll have to think. I'll have to think through that. Think That's about okay. that. Good. Since since you've been talking about it so much, um, how much about your entrepreneurial journey or your leadership journey? They're kind of one and the same because you lead a team here and company, multiple companies. How much of it has been a spiritual journey for you? Do you say that you, you, you get these instantaneous thoughts? And you... Well, um, I would say that, in you know, it's grown over time. You know, I, and when I got into business, you know, I, I thought, well, it's all about you, you know, you doing the right things and luck and, you know, working really hard and being diligent and persevering and having grit and all those things. And it's all, you know, it's kind of focused on what you do. And a lot of people think that. Um, I happen to not think that. What I've found is that things have, blessings have come and they haven't been necessarily for anything that I've done. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, when stuff just shows up, you know, it's just, that's not something that I actually did. Uh, And so I started really paying attention. I really started moving toward you know, hey, this isn't about me. This is about doing what he wants me to do. And um, and so it's been a journey, and it's moved from the perpendicular pronoun to I to we to we and he. So I've, we've moved in this direction. And so now I try to focus on, you know, what does he want me to do? And try and listen really carefully, and you know I pray with my wife, and she's praying all the time, and and uh, to to for for guidance, you know. Sometimes it's quiet, you know, and you got to listen to the quiet too. And then sometimes you're just bing, bing, bing. All of a sudden things are things are happening, and you really got to pay attention. You really got to connect the dots, and uh, and it's 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 hard to describe, but I think the more you do it, the more you the more you realize that that you're being directed, you know, and and you just you just need to pay attention. And so that's I've relied more on that, you know. The older I've gotten, the more I realize, eh, this this isn't just about this isn't about me. This is about doing what he wants me to do and being open to it, you know. It's kind of an abrupt change, but um, when you think about success, you have to. I'm sure you've thought about it a lot. Success and failure. Does some somebody or something come to mind when you think about success? You know, um, success is different for everybody. Um, you know, uh, success for me, you know, is is you know in a business sense, you know, is just having having a sustainable uh, enterprise to go to that that does good things and maybe does things that no one else has really been able to do before. It doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be good. And uh, it is good, and we've done all these things. We've, you know, put kids through college, and we've, you know, I've got partners been with me for, you know, over 28 years, and, you know, I've got employees that have been here on average. I think our average employee has been here 15 years. That's a long time. That's not much. That's not a whole lot of turnover. Uh, you know, I feel good about that. I feel good. Like, you know, we've provided jobs for people, and 
We're doing things that are good for the community, the community benefits. We're all we're all benefiting, and uh, so I feel good about that. I feel successful in that regard, um, and and doing things that other people say are hard. You know, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know, that's too hard. Uh, I like hard things. I like to do things that are hard. You know, I mean, so um, that to me is success, and um, and I think uh, you know, it's how you look at it. It's all how you look at it. Well, you guys do do good things, and particularly, I know you a little bit, and I refer the reason why I've gotten to like you really well. And I'll just go back to a story about when I was in the heavy-duty transportation industry. We were working on a deal for a couple natural gas trucks, and um, and I was your salesman, and we had worked together for months trying to get this deal done, and I was preparing to sell you a couple natural gas tractors for your uh, wood business. And there was some easiness, uneasiness rather, from my leadership. And um, I didn't make all the right decisions. I went and we came to an agreement together. I took that back to my company and they really reacted negatively to that. And I was threatened. And I decided after I was threatened, this ain't gonna work out anymore. So I left the company. You found out about that, and I got a phone call from you a couple days after I left, after I quit my job, and you offered me a position. And that's always stood out for me. And whether whether it was a good idea to offer me a position or not, like you said, you've had some, some mistakes in the past, it always stood out. Like, Bill really cares about people, especially who he does life with. So I, I, I really appreciate that. Well, you know what I thought? The first thing I thought was, I said... That guy has a lot of integrity. I said, you know, you know, he went out on a limb. He spent a bunch of time with us, and we went all the way down to the. I mean, we re- we signed an order, I think. Yep. And and then you went in and got poured out by the management or ownership at at the dealer. And you said, I'm done with this. I I, I you know I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. And I thought that guy's got a lot of integrity. That's the guy I, I want to know. That guy right there I want to know. That's the kind of guy that I want to work with in whatever capacity. So that that meant a lot to me. So, awesome. Anyway. And you've helped us also. You were a speaker for us. Um, our fir- I think it was our first entrepreneurship uh, uh, speaking engagement that we did. So I appreciate you being out in the community and serving others. And obviously that's you've credited that to your success and it's obvious that that is a key ingredient um, I want to go back to the fear thing because not a, there's a lot of people and I say that and I make that general statement but I've dealt with it myself when I was on the fence about going full time with this uh, nonprofit Bell Institute I dealt with a lot of fear, and I approached it very similar to you. I prayed about it, but there's people who don't pray about things, and maybe at a point in your life you didn't pray as much. Um, any other thoughts on, on fear when you, when you're trying to decide if you should take a leap of faith or move out into unknown territory? Well, again, I'd go back to um, you know. And it worked for me, and maybe at a time in my life I didn't pray. Ah, no, I take that back. I mean, I, 
I, I did, even as a kid, you know, I prayed. I prayed at night. And, you know, I don't know that I fully uh, understood the connection, uh, but, I, but I did pray. Um, and, but I've gotten a lot better at it. And now, you know, when I have fear, you know, I'll be in bed at night, and I'll be laying there, and i got 20,000 things going through my head, you know, and then all of a sudden your heart rate picks up. You can feel your heart pounding. And then all of a sudden you maybe get a little clammy, you know, and my wife knows when I'm when I'm churning and I'm grinding. She calls it, you're grinding again, you know. And I'm over there, and I'm thinking of all the things I haven't done, I haven't finished, and I'm, you know, deadlines and this and that. And then I'll pray. I'll just stop. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I can't worry about this right now. You know, just take take the fear away. Just take the anxiety away. And believe it or not, it works. The next thing you know, I'm asleep, and I wake up in the morning. I'm like, wow. And after you do that, you know, a number of times, you realize, you know, this kind of does work. This works. And uh, so, but you know. I think I'm a German. I have this German background. I got Germans on both sides, my mother and father. And and we're like bullet point people. You know, you start at the top of your list and you bullet point and you, you know, and then you go over your list again and you just, you know, (laughs) and it drives my wife crazy. But that's the way I think. And so when you go through that and you go through it several times and you've convinced yourself that on paper this thing makes sense then I step back and I let it sit I had to learn to do this because I've made mistakes you know and let it sit and then I'll ask God if it's the right thing am I doing the right thing am I am I, am I off base here you know and then I'll listen and and you know generally I'll get a thought or or something that will nudge me somebody will say something it's either through people or through thoughts that you'll you'll get some affirmation. You know, say, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do this. Okay. You know, then then you get the affirmation and and you move forward. It's very um, it's very subtle sometimes. Very subtle. I don't know about you, but uh, people ask me how things are going. They know, they know exactly what they're asking me. How is this startup going? And my response is, is it's scary and it's exciting. Yeah. And it sounds like things with your businesses are scary sometimes. Would you say that, that that's part of the draw? Like having to figure these things out, being scared and, and excited? Yeah, fear is a big driver. I mean, fear is a big driver, you know. Um, when I was younger, fear, you know, if I didn't have any money, you know, that's a big driver. You know, you get up early and you go to work when you don't have any money, you know. And uh, and sometimes I feel like people are, it's, they got, it's too soft. It's too easy. There's too many backstops, you know. Um, and um, I was scared. I mean, I, when I got started in 85, I can tell you it was six years of pure fear. Mm-hmm. Just pain and suffering and mistakes and problems and... I don't even know how we survived. I have no idea how we survived. But somebody was helping me, you know? And uh, and you don't understand it. Uh, but uh, but fear is a big driver. I think it's in, 
You're not supposed to be afraid. God doesn't want you to be afraid. But there is fear, and you have to fight it every day. I mean, every day you have to wake up. I'm not going to be afraid of this. I'm, you know, it doesn't mean you go willy nilly and just you know fly off the handle. You got to be really uh, diligent about your thought process. But but uh, he doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to do it. You know, he just wants you to go do it. And if you're passionate about it, man, that's that's about seventy five percent of it right there. Just being passionate about it. I have the seven P's for success that I came up with over time. I kept adding to the list until I got to set. Well, until I just you know, I, I loaded up and I figured seven is an interesting number. Seven's in the Bible; it means complete. And so um, I stopped at seven. But it's uh, it's prayer, purpose, passion, partners, profit, perseverance. And patience. Patience being the most difficult. Is that why it comes last? That's why it comes last. It's the hardest one to learn. All these other things you can do, you know, prayer. Everybody, you know, you, everybody knows how to pray, or most people know how to pray. Prayer, purpose. You got to understand what your purpose is. You know, my purpose is I'm doing good things for the environment and building an organization and taking care of family families. That's purpose. Passion, I love all of that stuff. Just love it. I mean, work is so easy for me. I love going to work. I work six days a week. I love working. I love working. Um, uh, It's not like work. Uh, So, passion, purpose, purpose, passion, uh, partners. You got to have good partners. They're going to help you. You got to have good partners. If you have bad partners, you know you got nothing. Uh, profit. You have to make a profit. You have to be sustainable. You can do all the recycling in the world, but if you don't make a profit, you're not doing anything. I mean, you're doing something, but it's not sustainable. It won't last because there's there, you're pouring money into it. Um, uh, profit. Uh, perseverance. You got to persevere. You got to go through the hard stuff. It's not all straight up. It's not all straight up at all. Sometimes it's sometimes it's straight down, and then it flattens out, and then it goes back up again. And uh, so you got to persevere. You got to have grit. You got to hang in there, even when it, unless they're coming and locking the doors. You got to go, keep going. You got to keep going. And then uh, patience. Sometimes you just have to. Wait. You just have to wait. You're not getting a clear uh, direction. You're not hearing. You just have to wait. And that's the hardest part because you, when you're young, you want to go, 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 go. You know, I'm wait. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. But sometimes you just have to wait, and that's really hard. And it's getting harder with all the stimuli and yeah. And the- uh, gotta have it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, instant gratification society. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. You know, um, <clears throat> there were some stereotypes about the South. You certainly go against those stereotypes. If if you ask, if you ask, <laughs> I'm from California. Uh, if you went out there and asked um, people. 
make generalizations about the South. I thank God they're out there hunting, making money, drilling for oil, and screwing up the environment, right? But that's totally against what you what you're about. Your purpose is about helping people, helping the environment. Um, that's that's pretty important, and it goes against the stereotypes. Do you, there are a lot of people here in Texas, down in the South, that you know who have similar passions like that? Uh, you know, I've always been kind of, uh, uh, the herd goes that way and I'm going that way. I mean, I don't know why. I've always been that way. It's a little weird. It's a little uh, different, you know. But, you know, I guarantee all my friends, well, most of my friends are lawyers uh, or doctors or they're in the oil business, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of people have no idea what I do. They just, they, he's down there in Pasadena, you know, who knows what's going on down there. But, um, you know, I kind of, I like connecting dots when you have disparate dots, and I like connecting those dots and, and making sense out of it, you know. And, uh, and, and I really enjoy doing that and thinking about the bigger thing and thinking about, I don't want to just do something because it makes money. I want to do something because it has a positive impact, you know, and I got in the recycling business and that, you know, it's not like I just had these random uh, thoughts about getting into this business or that business. It just, it was like a progression, you know, I was in the waste business and then I saw, well, recycling really makes a lot of sense, you know, and, and why? And I, so I got into that business, and then we shed the waste business, and then now we're in the recycling business, and then you know the fuel prices spike. So then we got into the to the natural gas alternative fuel business, and that's good for the environment. So now we're doing good things on the solid waste end through wood diversion and making new products, and now we're helping to clean up the air, which it's all in the same area. It's all in the same metro area, you know. And so there are connections there. It's all connected. Um, and you know, one day, you know, you know, maybe there'll be this really significant positive impact that people can say, Hey, they started from here and they went to there and then they went over there and these are all the good things that happened. And, uh, and it made our environment better. You know, basically, you know, when people talk about making the environment better, all that means is it making it better for the people that live there. That's all it means. It isn't some just, you know, thing called the environment. It's the people that are living there, you know, having cleaner air, cleaner water, you know, that type of thing. While we're talking about alternative fuel, um, if people would have heard about fleets of heavy-duty trucks running on natural gas that you were pumping out of a station all over Houston. You were pioneering this. If people would have heard about that, that idea, maybe 20 years ago, they would have thought, nah, it'll never happen. Now we have um, the prevalence of electric vehicles. So we've got the, the Tesla company that's coming out with electric cars and they just announced that they have a truck coming out, and there's already been pre-orders for electric trucks. Any thoughts on that alternative fuel or that alternative vehicle? Well, I think electrification uh, is coming to some degree. Uh, I think it's it's way more hype than than reality in terms of actually, you know, in terms of the time frame. 
you know, it took 40 years for diesel to come into the passenger car and truck market. It took 40 years. When I was a kid, 1972, you know, the oil embargo was in 73, diesel became a big deal because it was cheaper and you got better gas mileage. It was cheaper and you got better gas mileage. Now it's more expensive and it's worse for the environment. So it took 40 years. That's a long time. So now they're talking about electric vehicles. You know, I think electric vehicles make more sense in the the hybrid market where you have, you know, the, the passenger car market where you have hybrids, where you have part gasoline, part electric vehicle to improve gas mileage. I think you'll see a lot more of that. The pure electric vehicle market from, you know, I, I think it's going to be slower than people think even though there's a lot of hype, even though every day you turn on the, you know, whatever you read, it's, it's out there, it's everywhere. Um, there's a lot of hype. I think in the heavy-duty market, um, I don't see it happening for some time. Uh, it's a science project. Natural gas is not a science project. Natural gas has been, I mean, we have so much natural gas. If you listen to the oil and gas people, they're making so much natural gas, they don't know what to do with it. So now they're, you know, producing LNG, liquid natural gas, and they're shipping it overseas to Japan and other China and other partners because they have so much of it. They're talking about it being so cheap for so long that in my lifetime and in other people's lifetime, younger people's lifetime, there's just an enormous supply of it. And it works. The motors in the heavy-duty market, the, the sector, work. And so there, it's not a science project. It's here. It's local. It's cleaner. And it's enormous volume, uh, enormous supply. And it helps us reduce our dependence on, on foreign oil, which is a big deal. I don't care what anybody says. It's a big deal. Now, electrification in the heavy-duty sector, they just they're not close enough to it yet. And uh, we have a lot of experience with um, some of the, the trucking companies um, and transit companies uh, that have that are trying it and they're experimenting with it, and it's not working out terribly well for them uh, yet. Uh, so, so I look at things. You know, I try to look at, I try to uh, segment the market, and and I would say electrification is going to happen in the passenger car market to some degree, but it's exaggerated in terms of the numbers, in terms of the volumes. It it could work in the medium-duty uh, sector, uh, delivery vans, things like that, but huge uh, infrastructure dollars need to be spent for the charging facilities and upgrading of the electrical infrastructure. I don't know that there's enough money in the world out there to pay for all that. I don't know where it's going to come from. Um, in the heavy-duty sector, there's just there's just too there there's there are too many other options out there that are better that are not a science project, and um, and so I, I you know I, I don't I don't really see that in the heavy-duty sector in the in the near or even medium term. Not that it's not going to come, but but that that's my view of it. 
Gotcha. I think it's going to be choppy. People think, you know, things go straight up like that. This don't. It's going to be really choppy. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up and. Um, but just before we do, let's uh, let's dream a little. Let's say I left the country for ten years, and I came back. Where is your vision for your life and the company, and kind of where are you at in ten years from now? You know, I, I thought I thought you know I'm sick. I'll be sixty. Uh, you know, I'll be seventy in ten years. Um, I like to think that I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. God willing and health and everything. Uh, I know I got at least 10 more years in me. Good, solid. My dad's 92. You know, he's still going. And uh, so uh, every time I think about, you know, I hear all this, you know, retirement. I'm like, what is that? You know, and I see my dad. I'm like, man, you know, that's that's amazing. Uh, So I see myself continuing to do the the same things. I'm going to need some more help. I need some younger people to come on to help me. And when we're trying to find them, um, and, uh, but at the same time, you know, I've given it to God to tell me what he wants me to do. And when you say you're going to need some help, just if there's somebody out there listening to this, what kind of help are you looking for? You know, we're just looking for people that will come to work every day and work hard and, not do drugs and pass a drug test. I mean, little stuff like that. Be surprised at how uh, hard that is to find. Uh, and 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 have people that will, you know, will commit themselves and not just look over the shoulder for the next, you know, 10 cents an hour or whatever it is, you know. Um, commit themselves. And uh, those are the kind of people that, that we're looking for. Um. Uh, but back to the to the ten years, you know, what he, if God wakes, if I wake up one day and God says, "Hey, you know, you need to you need to be done with this," you know, then I'm going to do what He wants me to do. And I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm asking, you gotcha. know. So, okay. One last question. Uh, if you could pass on a couple pieces of, it, uh, of advice to your 25-year-old self, um, what would it be? Or somebody else, somebody else that's out there that's 25, 30 years old or younger even, what would, what would that be? What would that look like, some advice? I would say, uh, uh, you know, chase your passion because if you're, if you're passionate about something, you know, it's a long way toward being successful. Um, you know, I would also say fear not, trust in the Lord, you know, cause he'll help you. He'll help you be right there with you the whole time. So if you ask him to, um, so that's, that's what I would say. Do, do what you're passionate about. Um, and you will be successful. Uh, and, and know that it's not all about you, you know. It's about doing what God wants you to do, and he will help you to be successful. And uh, so that's what, I would, that's what I would say. Awesome. 
if somebody wants to find out more about Freedom CNG or Wood Fuel, what, what would be a good place? They can check out a website or go online? Yeah, they could go online to um, freedom-cng.com or Novus Wood Group, N-O-V-U-S woodgroup.com or woodfuel.com. And uh, they, can, they can see what we do. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with me and and making an investment in Bell Institute and sharing your experience and ups and downs and passing on some advice to us. I appreciate that, Bill. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming down. Appreciate it. Our mission for this podcast is to bring you stories about veterans, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are doing fascinating things with their lives. Our hope is to inspire you because we believe that inspired individuals will change lives, both theirs and others for the good. Bell Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're asking for your support. There are two ways to do that. One, by getting involved with our mission, and two, by contributing financially. Please visit bellinstitute.org. That's B-E-L institute.org to help us make an impact.